Welcome to the Parking Happiness Podcast, the show that empowers parking people to discover the keys to unlocking parking happiness. I'm your host, Toby Marks, and I'm excited that you're listening today and that together we can pave a way towards parking happiness. Welcome to the Parking Happiness Podcast. My name is Toby Marks, and I'm on a mission to transform the way we talk and pursue parking. This is my inaugural um, podcast episode, and I'm very excited about that. It's also a little bit new to me, so forgive me if today is not 100% perfect, but I'm working on it. And so I would love to dive in a little bit to talk to you about this concept of parking happiness, how I got into parking, and how I got inspired to talk about, about that so much. As a parking professional, my goal is to spread parking happiness and bid farewell to negative perceptions. Like together, let's redefine parking as a central positive aspect of our commu community living, shifting it from an afterthought to a catalyst for increased quality of life and community satisfaction. I hope you join me on this exciting journey as we explore the world of parking. Whether you're a seasoned parking pro or looking to improve your parking game, I hope this podcast becomes your go-to source for entertaining stories, insightful tips, and a fresh perspective on the parking industry. Get ready to embrace a different way to view parking and discover how, together, we can initiate a paradigm shift towards parking happiness. So together, let's pave the way for parking happiness. So how did it all begin? I've shared the story a couple times before, and it's kind of like really one of my personal favorite parking stories so far. Um, so I'm in parking now about seven years, I think, close to seven years, uh, something around that. Um, but I haven't always been in parking, right? So my, my, my real background is in, in hospitality. I grew up in Germany. I started early at the age of 16 to become a chef. I did an apprenticeship. And I worked in hospitality my entire life. I eventually moved to the U.S. Um, and ended up in Boston. Um, and in Boston, I started doing a lot of events. I organized a lot of events in a, in a city outside Boston, Massachusetts, um, in Lowell, Massachusetts. And eventually, I started working for the city of Lowell in their Internal Affairs and Special Event office. I started doing a lot of their marketing campaigns, their branding, reshaped that, and I eventually made my way into organizing their special events as well. And it so happened that at one weekend in, I think, 2016, um, our family took a trip to New York and then to Philadelphia. And the, the goal was really research, like because of the work that I did at the time, um, we wanted to really find new ideas, how we can upgrade and better the events that the city of Lowell um, put on. So we went to New York to look at a lot of their holiday markets. And then from New York, we drove to Philadelphia with the goal to look at the Blue Cross ice ring that they have down there and all the event activities around that and the festivities around that to learn from that and bring back new and fresh ideas, how we can spice up our winter events in, in, in Massachusetts. And so we drove down with our minivan, um, all our four kids, and we we arrived in, in Philadelphia. We looked um, for parking because, of course, when you're in Philadelphia and it's like it's, there's a lot of rich American history there, we figured we have to go take a look at the Liberty Bell and some of those buildings over there. 
um, especially as a vivid National Treasure fan. I wanted to see that, right? Because it was a little bit special to me. So we parked the car a little bit away from the Liberty Bell. Um, we saw the pole post with a lot of different signs on it. Um, it looked like there were different rules. We figured, oh yeah, it's Saturday. We don't have to pay for parking because it says here park paid parking is only Monday through Friday. I felt that's a little bit strange. I went to the kiosk. It let us pay, so we did pay. Um, and then we went over with our kids to take a look at the Liberty Bell, the other building there, or whatever. I really don't know what it's called right now off the top of my head. And about 20 minutes later, we returned to the location that we parked our car and our car was gone. Turned out that after looking at that pool with about eight signs again, that we parked in an honorary console um, area that we didn't see that little rider on the bottom of all those different signs. And they didn't really mess around, right? Like I, And so our car was gone, our car was towed. Um, we took an Uber and we Ubered down to the Philadelphia Parking Authority. That was a great experience. We were there for about, I would say we were there about five hours. Um, it took us probably four and a half hours to actually speak to somebody. There were not even that many people. There were maybe about 10, 12 people in the room in addition to our family of six. Um, we finally spoke to somebody that told us how much we have to pay for the fine. We paid that. And then we like, so can we get our car back? And they're like, no, we can't give you your car back. And we're like, whoa, <laughs> why, why can't you give us our car back? Well, you have, your registration has been suspended or has expired. I'm like, what? No, it's still valid. Well, long story short, it turned out that I had two unpaid parking tickets in the city of Lowell. And um, because of that in Massachusetts, if they're out staying too long, your registration actually gets suspended. So I was able to go online right there in the moment, pay the outstanding citations, not a problem. But it was Saturday and there was no way for me online to renew and reinstate my uh, car registration. That had to be done in person. So... We backed the Philadelphia um, Parking Authority to let us go to our car and to actually take some of our kids' stuff out there, right? Our kids were still young at the time. Our youngest was seven, I believe, at the time. Now she's 14, and and that so at that time, that was still, like, not so easy. So we got all our st stuff. Um, we Ubered to the hotel. We made sure we got a rent-a-car. We enjoyed our night in the next half day in Philadelphia as much as we could, then drove back to Boston or to Lowell, Massachusetts. Next Monday morning, I went to the RMV, paid our 59 or whatever it was, $40 in reinstating fees, booked the one-way ticket back to Philadelphia, um, Ubered to the Philadelphia Parking Authority, redeemed, showed them that our registration is now current and updated, and redeemed our car and was able to to leave and it's funny because i at that time in my role uh, at the time i just had engaged conversations with our parking director about like how can we actually change the message how we talk about parking right we want to we don't want to be perceived as being always bad and targeting people we want to be perceived differently we want to be more friendly and so i just worked on this initial branding and marketing um, reshape for our parking department in Lowell, Massachusetts. And so when I left this lot, I remember talking to the parking attendant there that saying like, 
telling him the story of what I'm actually doing for a living, he was laughing and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I, I was laughing too. And I was just thinking to myself, there just must be a better way. This is not an experience that anybody should have, right? Um, long and behold, a few months later, our parking director uh, moved on to a different role. His position became available. Um, and I was fortunate enough to actually be able to apply for that position and get that position. And so I, that's how I got into parking. And so I set out at, in, in that moment to really do things differently, looked at how we're communicating, how we're spreading our, telling our story, how we're telling our message um, and, and in a different way. And I started learning parking from the beginning. And it's amazing because I right away met a lot of really great people that I'm still in contact and, and in, in connection with up to this day that I now value as friends, not just like industry partners and people that work for other companies and vendors, but actually like friends that we have grown to know each other well. Some of them, have, we have never worked together in any capacity. We have never done any projects together, but we value each other's opinion, right? And I think that's the beauty about parking. Um, my my friend John Incandata from Mobile Smart City once told me, you're either way in parking for two years or for the rest of your life. I guess I'm stuck. But for me, it's really special because I feel um, I've really found something that I actually enjoy doing. And that's something that not many people can say. And so I'm very happy that I can say that about what I'm doing. And so, so that's my story. That's how I got into this. And I think this experience in the parking industry really has shaped this mission for me to wanting to re revolutionize parking more into a realm of happiness innovation that is really marked by positive experiences. And positive experiences not just for me and, on, and not just for the vendors that make money, but really for, for everybody that parking touches, right? I recently wrote an article that, that, that I entitled The Parking Multiverse because I think it's actually quite a great analogy that if you compare parking um, the world of parking or whatever you want to refer to, to like one of the latest Marvel movies, right? Like it's more and more about a multiverse and there's different dimensions, there's different universes that exist parallel to each other, which is, of course, as a Marvel fan, I like that story. I enjoy that story, but I do think we can find some connection to parking. And I think parking happiness is like at the core of that. And I know there's probably many people um, that have done parking much longer than me and I respect them deeply and I value their opinion so much. And so I can understand somebody who has been in the industry longer feels like parking happiness, what the heck are you talking about? And I, I get that. But for me, parking happiness as a statement really embodies my vision or a vision of a parking experience centered around people. It's about reimagining re the way we approach parking, how we prioritize the needs of the parker, and cultivate moments that bring genuine, smile, genuine smiles to the parker's face and the face of our teams, right? Like, it's hard enough to be a parking enforcement officer or a compliance officer or whatever you want to call them in your environment. It's a tough job. It's It's quite easy, practically, right? I mean, yes, if you discount um, the bad weather or the hot weather that you can have depending on where you are geographically. It's it's a fairly easy job, right? You're if you like nature, you're outside all day, you're you're you it's not not a lot of heavy lifting like from like a physical aspect. So 
but it's a tough job emotionally and it's a tough job like all around because you're constantly interacting with people you're always reviewed as the person who wants to do something bad to you right because people don't necessarily like parking citations it's not that somebody ever comes to a parking enforcement officer and says oh i'm so thankful that you gave me the citation right like jokingly some people say like oh, i'm okay i never pay for parking because i enjoy getting a parking citation because it helps me support the local uh, community i have experienced that once i don't think the person was actually serious probably was a little bit sarcastic on 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 their part but so so being in parking isn't always easy it's not always really pretty it's not always you're not always embraced by your community and so i think if we can find a way to change our approach to enable all of those amazing parking professionals to be a little bit more respected be a little bit more more valued for what they actually do and educate people in the process i think that can be amazing so that's kind of like the heart and mind behind this idea of parking happiness right and i don't know what this means for you i think it's it's funny it's like asking that question in the future to people like parking happiness equals what to you and before i dive in this a little bit more for me and i think that might be important for all of you who are trying this out for the first time and hopefully maybe give it a second chance if it wasn't too bad today um for me parking happiness is really this pursuit to leave behind negativity and see parking as a key positive part of community living and user experiences i know another bold statement but we have adopted this here in the city of bend oregon which is a beautiful city in central oregon where where i work currently as a parking services division manager um part of a great team in a beautiful city and we have created like what we call our roadmap towards parking happiness and it it's really comes down to like three goals that or objectives that we're thriving to right it's really our end goal to know that okay if we achieve these objectives we have achieved parking happiness and um to talk about this a little bit more um i think is a good time now so for us that's like incentivize an incentivized parking system where things are more clear more automated where people are almost rewarded for doing the right things this for us includes as a second objective limited parking enforcement because our rules are so intuitive and user friendly that people know what they have to do and if we can create that that leads us to objective number three, which is parking actually supports quality of life and economic and physical mobility and when i say economic and physical mobility i really mean that it supports the economic vitality of our small business centers right our mom and pop shops like a city like bend we have an amazing downtown core with really great business owners that are devoted to the city and to to what they're doing and they're contributing so much to the community that it's kind of like our duty to really make sure that they can succeed economically and physical mobility because if we design parking the right way we also creating new spaces and sense of sense of place for the parker for other mobility users and i think that can be very beneficial now it's funny because i did ask um chat gpt what chat gpt thinks about hey what are some ideas to achieve parking happiness and chat gpt gave me a list and this list is as follows 
accessible spaces, affordable options, clear signage, tech integrations, security measures, local collaboration, flexible solutions, customer feedback, efficient operations, and environmental consideration. And that was funny to me because like on a roadmap or trajectory to reach parking happiness, we talk in here in Bend about convenience and accessibility, human-centered design, innovation and technology, sustainability and green initiatives, community engagement, data-driven insights, and empathy and human touch. So I think that it was funny that ChatGPT, which is kind of like a, a still a weird tool for me, but it was great and funny at the same time that there were some overlapping ideas that this AI suggested of what we shall do. And so what does it mean? And what, I mean, this is nothing new for many of you. We talk about this a lot, but I just wonder if our implementation is always right, right? It's not always just knowing what to do. It's also how we do that, right? So for example, when when we talk about like a little bit a while ago, when we talk about, or when I talked about economic vitality, what's that mean? Because how do we do that? Yes. We're parking people, right? We know our stuff. We know that the reason we do parking enforcement is so that we achieve turnover. And if we achieve turnover, we have more parkers. If we have more parkers, we increase. And if it's in a, if you're talking in the context of a small business neighborhood or commercial district, if you have more turnover, we have more cars, more cars bring more people, more people spend more money, right? That then leads to the equation that Every parking space in a commercial district or anywhere has an economic value. That economic value is something different in any city. It really depends on how the makeup is. Um, and that's great. We all know that. We talk about this a lot. We communicate this a lot. I just wonder, in the context of parking happiness, do people actually know what the heck we're talking about when we do that, right? Do people actually know what do you mean the parking space has a value of $53,000 or $36,000? Do, do you mean that's what it costs to build it? Or that, that's what the businesses have to pay for it? I think we sometimes estimate that we don't have that, un, um, that unifying um, translator, just like the people um, that we see in science fiction movies or a series like Star Trek, that you ever wonder that there's thousands of species and they just talk to each other, right? Gone are the old days of the original um, Enterprise crew that had like this handheld that looked like a old uh, handheld to write tickets that was their universal translator and told them what the other the other species said. Now it's built in microchip, whatever, and they just understand each other. And I think we, I think that parking happiness in an awkward way to talk about this, I think could become our unified or universal translator so that we can actually like if you take this idea of empathy and human touch well what's that mean how do we express empathy how do we listen better how do we communicate in a way that people actually know what we're actually trying to say and because at the end i do feel sometimes that the parker really just wants us to tell them what what we want from them right i think that we but the parker equally wants value. The Parker wants to understand that, that they get something, right? After all, we are, we are Americans and Americans, we as Americans, we love our value. We want to pay for something um, and maybe we don't want to pay for something. But I think in general, 
we know we have to pay for something, right? Yes, there needs to be value in what we are what we're providing as parking people, right? And I think that if we if we truly um, up our game and really focus on convenience and accessibility, and not always just doing what we always have done, maybe change something up, maybe do something new. If we truly do that, we actually can create a different way and we can create change the perception. If we do community engagement differently by actually not just asking checkbox questions, but actually do very user-directed engagement and with the willingness to learn from it and change, not just with the willingness of, yeah, we have to do community engagement because like in my case, I work for a municipality, that's just what we do, but maybe there's a different way. Maybe we actually do community engagement because we want to improve what we're doing, right? Like maybe, and I think a lot of operators for sure do that. A lot of tech vendors definitely do that because they, they in opposite to maybe not all municipalities, but some, I think they have to do that to stay competitive. But often many parking programs are run and operated by um, people like me in municipalities, and I've been guilty of this multiple times. And I think we we often feel we have this all figured out and we we don't need to improve. And the only time when we feel we need to innovate or improve is truly when we have a when there's a new technology that's being pitched to us and we're like, oh, that's really cool. We want to have that. But what if we actually start on a different level? What if our goal actually becomes to deliver the best parking experience that somebody has ever had, right? And so that means we are asking questions because we truly want to improve. And and so I think that's, that's, that's a little bit of what I'm talking about. I think um, parking happiness needs human-centered design, which means... I know we have heard this probably, many people have heard the phrase, but what does it really mean? Well, it really means that you build something that people want, right? That's desirable for people that they actually want to use it. It's not often, I think we build things and we also, again, we are very checkbox driven, which means we have planners have plans, engineers have plans, we have rules, we have specifications, they all are really, were created by a bunch of smart people. But if we're really honest and if you're willing to say it and I am willing to say it, they don't always make sense, right? Like, great example, not so much to do with parking, but slightly with parking is that we we recently installed some bollards in a alley so that a parklet that uses the alley every afternoon um, doesn't have to put an ugly, doesn't have to put up an ugly barrier, but just can put up the bollards and make it safe. Our standards and specs say that to put bollards in an alleyway, we have to have ground markings um, that guide the pedestrian around the bollard. Sounds makes a lot of sense, right? So we need to we need to do that. Now we need to get our striping crew down there and stripe this down. And on first in the first moment, that might even make sense to a lot of people. Personally, I feel it's very sad that if we actually have to put marks on markings on a sidewalk or an alleyway that indicates a pedestrian walking, that they have to avoid a bollard. I feel there that's probably a very long conversation we can have to question, wonder, and question ourselves. Wow, I don't think that I need a marking on the ground to avoid a bollard, and if I run into it, I probably will not run to, into it again. But then there's a second layer to the whole thing. 
We're in Central Oregon. We get snow. And if it gets cold and the snow is on the sidewalk, the sidewalk, the, the snow is there for a couple of days, sometimes maybe even for a week. We don't do, we don't have a bare pavement policy, which means after a snowstorm, you don't see the markings. So how the heck does a pedestrian now actually avoid the baller, right? Sarcastically questioned. So I think human-centered design can avoid that. Human-centered design can say, okay, so how do we design the baller differently? How do we do this? How do we do this different? And keeping the human in mind that actually is smart, intelligent, and wants to do the right thing. I think innovation and technology is important. I think we need to use technology and innovation to really create better spaces, better experiences, and better parking experiences. And I think that um, empathy and human touch is probably my favorite because I think we, we know in our personal relationships, we talk about empathy and connection, right? Or many of us do. We want to have relationships that are authentic that are transparent, that are really, that thrive of deep connection. But then we forget that often, not all of us, of course, and I don't mean anything, every time I say something, I don't mean to point specific people out, not at all. I think that in general, we all want that empathy, connection, authenticity in our relationships as long as they're personal. But when it comes to professional or relationships or professional engagements or community engagement, I think we forget that. And I think if we actually don't forget that, and if we focus a little bit more that, yes, even that really angry person right in front of us that wants to chop our head off because we just issued them a parking citation, they're still a human. They still have something to say. We can still learn something, right? Sometimes, and this is this is a great example. I walked the dog. Um, I think it was yesterday. I walked the dog, and I came back, walked through one of our parking lots, and there was this very angry man who parked on the street on a stra- like a twenty foot stretch between the two, the entry, not the two, but the entry and the exit aisle, the drive aisle to this parking lot. It's not a parking space. It used to have a yellow curb to make sure that drivers can see that. There's no sign because we don't usually, in Bend, we don't place a sign in a case like that. And he was vivid because he got a citation. And this looks like a real space. And I engaged with him. I told him who I am um, and talked to him a little bit. And I told him, yeah, I, I agree that this is probably not easy visible. I think there's some remnants of yellow curb. I'm not sure that we put up a sign. but you should appeal the citation. He asked me, oh, do you think I'm going to win? I said, I don't know if you're going to win, but I think if you feel the citation was not justified, go ahead, appeal this. That's what the process is there for, right? And so he, I think he did that. We chatted a little bit more, but the more important thing is, now that I'm thinking about what we're doing differently, uh, yes, he did something wrong. He parked his car in, in a no parking zone. Whether there was yellow curb or not, he should have known that generally within five or 10 feet of a drive aisle, you shouldn't park, right? And he basically did this both, both sides, the entry and the exit drive line to the parking lot. But equally, we really sucked at this because there should be a yellow curb that indicates that there's no parking. And so while he did something wrong by listening to him, by hearing what he said, 
by hearing him saying that, well, if I would have clear, if there would be more clear indicators that I couldn't have parked here, I would have never parked here. I'm, I'm in downtown all the time. So luckily we have a very active streets and operations department. So I put in a work order and by the next morning, less than 24 hours later, that curb was actually painted yellow. And now this can be avoided. Now we might didn't help this one person because he already or received a citation, but hopefully through this, we can help another person. And so I think these are just like small stories as we're getting going to talk about parking happiness in the future that I wanted to share. And I hope that all made a little bit sense to you or not. And so I think my my biggest takeaway for today, before I dive in a little bit more how this podcast will look and what you can expect in the future, is I just want parking people to be bold and dream of what can be. And I feel that the keys to do that, the keys to achieve parking happiness in a way are to know where you're going, right? Like spend the time, really lay it out, build, put this extra effort into the work that you do, especially if you're an operator or work for a municipality and really plan out your roadmap of where you want to go. If you do community engagement, do it very user-focused, meaning don't just generalize your questions. Pick a few people. And when you pick people, pick some experts, pick some non-experts, pick people that like you, and pick people that hate you. Maybe not hate you, but dislike you. Because you can learn from them often the most if you can cut through the crap and cut through their venting session. Focus on human-centered design and maybe research a little bit um, design thinking methods and apply a design thinking mindset. Design thinking is something that technology companies use to innovate. And I think there's a lot to be learned um, for our application and for parking, just like people in project management and parking people do this too. Look at Six Sigma or other uh, other project management strategies to cut, off, cut, out, cut out waste and do things better. I think we can learn a lot from design thinking mindset, especially because the three core foundations for that are, is what you do desirable, meaning do people want it? Is it doable, meaning do you have the team or the the resources or the ability to get it done? And third, is it feasible? Do you have the money? And if you line this up in circles, in the center of that is where you find your MVP, right? Your minimal valuable product. And for me, of course, you guessed it, that's parking happiness. And so that's kind of like, I hope that we can dive in this more, that we can learn with each other in, in future episodes. And my goal for this is really not to do what I did today, that I'm just talking all by myself. Um, that's kind of like awkward and it's also not easy for me um, because I do like to talk to other people. So what you can expect from the Parking Happiness podcast is that over the next couple of weeks, I will bring on parking people or mobility people, depending on what their focus is at the time. And the goal is really to have great and exciting conversations with parking professionals, people that work in municipalities, people that work as operators or for operators, people that maybe are parkers, right? And people that work for technology companies in every realm and every every area that touches the parking industry. It's hard enough to do parking. And I think now we're in a world where, or in a time maybe more than a world, where 
the parking industry is kind of changing, right? It's, it has changed more in the last couple of years through all the new technology, through all the innovation than it has in years before, right? It's now we're talking often not only about parking, we're now talking about parking mobility. And then you throw in the C word, which is um, curb management. Now we're starting to talk about curb management. And so the question I think is valid saying like, what's that metamorphosis of parking look like? Is it going to be parking in five years, in 10 years? Is it going to be always parking in mobility, just mobility? Or is it an entire transformation to thinking about what we love to do as curb management in the future? And I hope that over a few episodes um, here and there, we can actually identify some answers to that and together learn and experience some um, great stuff, great conversations uh, hear great stories, maybe some fun anecdotes, and find a way how we all together can pave a way to more parking happiness. So thank you so much for listening today. Um, the goal is that the Parking Happiness podcast will publish a new episode every two weeks on a Friday. So we're starting on March 1st, which is today, and then we are releasing a new episode every two weeks on Fridays. You can find us everywhere um, where you can find podcasts and you can also find us on, on the web at parkinghappiness.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed some of it and had some good takeaways and I hope you tune in again in the future. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's episode of the Parking Happiness Podcast. I hope to catch you next time.